0: Jesus, thank you for your goodness. We bless you. We honor you. And it's in that powerful name that we said, amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Well, as our kids are headed out, I just want to say welcome Grove family. I'm so glad that you have chosen to be here this day, whether you are with us in this room or whether you're with us online, I'm so glad that you have chosen to make this your place of worship today. And uh, I just want to go ahead and just lay it out there because um, this is a a challenging subject today and I can 100% guarantee that you will be offended before this message is over. Um, Simply because of this, uh, you got your chance to ask questions about bad theology, and today is my question for bad theology. And I am an expert at the subject that I'm going to be talking about today. I've got 54 years of experience of sin in my life. Nobody had to train me to do it. I've been good at it since I was born. So we're going to talk about some very difficult things about those sins that won't quit. I also find this ironic yet quite supernatural that we are on three Sundays. This is the fourth Sunday prior to Easter. So in three Sundays, we will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is that explanation point on the fact that he died for our sins. Don't forget that. Matter of fact, begin to celebrate that even today. As we dig into this tough, challenging, interesting, convicting, life-changing uh, topic today, I want you to think about some of the things that we are. Some of us are just real consistent sinners. Some of us are, uh, are perpetual in our sin, Some of us, it has become habitual in our lives. Um, Some of us would say we're just occasional sinners, part-time, if you will. And some of us would even say, I have pretty much got that one conquered. That one or that thing. That's my question for you as we dig into this. Some of you may be realizing today for the first time that you are a first-time sinner. First time it's ever happened in your life. Now, is this a good or is this a bad thing? You know, if we're honest, this is that thing we've got in common. If nothing else, we've got this in common. And sin matters because it affects us. Sin affects our relationships. Sin affects uh, our, our relationships at, at school, in our jobs. Uh, it affects our emotions. It affects our health. It affects our outlook on life. Uh, It affects our spiritual life in a way that we probably could never have possibly imagined. It affects the intimacy of our relationship with our God. It's a big deal. It's something that we have to deal with and we wonder why so many of these things seem to be Upside down or just so messed up in our lives and it's because of this little tiny three-letter word that we call sin and think about it Paul reminds us that the Wages of sin is death So this should not be such a surprise in our life that this is the problem It's been the problem from the beginning and it is the problem today just a a one-time event of sin can cost us for the rest of our lives or or it can even cost us our life and in a very real sense since the wages of sin is death that is the truth in all of this but when we put a sin on repeat it's a little easier to do this now i don't know if you've uh realize this but if you've got Spotify or one of those type of of spots to be able to or places to be able to put music out all the time you can just put the same song on repeat over and over and over again I remember when I first started listening to music uh, the first thing I remember listening to it was almost on a vinyl record which by the way this last week they outsold CDs how about that that happened this last week, and uh, if you go just a little bit forward in that, the first thing I remember on a on a tape or on a reel was an eight-track tape, and when you played that eight-track tape, if you were quick enough, when you got to the very end of the song, if you hit the ka-chunk, 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 you could go all eight, and you could hit that same thing again, and you could repeat it again and again and again. Now, when you got to those fancy uh, reels that came up next, called a cassette, it was much harder. You had to rewind the whole thing to go back. And then on CDs, you could repeat it as well. But the problem is with sin, if you hit repeat on that sin, it's going to keep eating you alive over and over and over again. It's what, it's what Casting Crown sings about with that slow fade that happens in our lives. And if it's not dealt with, it will destroy us. So, what do we do? How do we get ourselves back? in that good, in that right place with Jesus? How do we work this? How do we, what, what has to happen in our lives so that our sins are not on repeat? And how do we help others with the sin that just won't quit? So I want to dig in this. I'm going to ask Drew to come and join me this morning because uh, uh, while I have more years of experience in this, I figure he's probably pretty good at this as well, um, like you are. And we probably could have had all of us in this room come and join us on stage today and talk about uh, how good we are at sin. And so uh, let's go ahead and begin with, uh, with habitual sin. What is habitual sin? And I found this very interesting as I started digging into this because we know what sin is. Biblically, it's missing the mark. Uh, It's the most straight-up answer I think you see throughout entire Scripture. Uh, The target, if you will, was created by the Creator. He's given it to us in the Ten Commandments. It's very clear what He gives us as He gives us uh, four commandments about how we are to relate to Him. And then He gives us six commandments of how we are to relate to other people. And when we break those laws, which are uh, very specific in there, but, man, they broaden so quickly. And then Jesus expounds them in the New Testament and helps us to understand even greater what they mean. But when we miss that mark, we tear up his commandments. Um, a quick study as I was looking through this, uh, there are at least a dozen words in the Old Testament and New Testament that can be translated uh, to mean the word sin. Uh, here's just a couple of them besides missing the mark. Another one means the breaching of a relationship. It means a relationship that was right. And then it's broken. Uh, Here's another one. Another one means, uh, perverseness to be perverted in something. And that's what sin is. It perverts what God intended for us in the beginning. Another, another one is, uh, and we, we, we kind of land on this one a lot. It's just an error. It's just a mistake. And that's one of the definitions in the word. Uh, Another one means godlessness. Another one means mischief. But the most common in the New Testament means to break God's law. And when you break God's law, you break his heart. So this is where I had to land on this, and this is where my question comes into this. What is habitual sin? Clearly this term comes from the word habit, it's what you do, it's what you return to, it's where you are comfortable. <laughs> That's what habitual means. Some of us need to know that, uh, what the frequency is in order for it to be habitual. Don't you want to know that? What makes it a habitual sin? That's what I had to know is what makes it a habitual sin. And I want to make this as simple as possible. If we sin and the Holy Spirit convicts us that that sin is wrong and we turn around, and we repent, we are being obedient. But sometime later, uh, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's a day, maybe it's a year, maybe it's a month, maybe it's a year, maybe it's years later. And we repeat that same sin. Guess what we've just done. We've just created a habitual sin. Just twice. Makes it a, new habit it becomes habitual at least in a sense and it only goes downhill from there and if it keeps on coming back that's habitual it is it's sin every single time we do it and and um, we will get colder we will get less sensitive to the very holy spirit of god every single time we choose to repeat that sin that's why sin leads to death.
1: And I think it's First Corinthians 10 13 that says that God always gives us an opportunity of escape, right? And so uh, we need to remember that the enemy's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, but that doesn't always happen in one fell swoop. As you mentioned that song, So Faded, for many of us it starts in those subtle compromises where we, we recognize the way out and we don't take it, or, or we we recognize that this is the big sin over here, and I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to compromise these little steps that end up getting me over there. And, and that all comes from, from the Indian. Uh, it just leads us farther and farther away than we ever imagined. Um, I got this from, from Rick Burgess, and he quotes Steve Farrar, who says, Sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. It will keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay think that that's where we get with habitual sin it's the little one that becomes a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger uh, until we look back and go man how did I end up here how did I
0: get to this point so uh we're in not necessarily good company but we're in company with people who understand what we're talking about because all of us have walked this road but somehow sometimes we think that this right here is just us so if you go back to Romans chapter 7 The Apostle Paul gives one of the most wide-open, real statements to this. He says in verse 14 of of chapter 7, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Anybody relate to that? This is the Apostle Paul, the greatest evangelist in the New Testament. Verse 16, but if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not uh, the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, am I I am really... I'm really the one doing it. I'm, really, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life: that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably war in my mind. This power makes, a, makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person am I. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he responds with the right answer, and he says, Thank God, the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is, in my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Now this is so important, okay? This is not the spot where you give up. This is the spot where you do give up to Christ yourself. It's what has to happen. This is so important. This is not as soon as Paul became a Christian. This is this, this letter to the Romans that Paul wrote, and, and this is a new thing for me to actually wake up and realize. This wasn't his first writing. Actually, it was letter number 7. So this is, uh, according to the time frame, seven to eight years into his ministry, and this struggle is still that real, seven to eight years in his ministry. Verse 17, it's like Paul says, it seems like my body has a mind of its own. You ever feel like that? It seems like my body's in control of, of everything sometimes. So Chuck Swindoll said it like this, and I love this. All of us are chronically addicted to sin. Long after we are saved, our bodies crave that which gave us short-term pleasure and caused long-term anguish. It's a battle till death do we part.
1: Hmm. It really reminds me of the scripture we read a couple weeks ago where uh, people gave themselves over to their sin. You know, like, I, I think the question we need to ask is, is it a struggle? Um, is it something I'm battling against? Is it something I really hate? Is it something that, that I'm working towards overcoming? Uh, you know, or are you seeking to be healed through accountability and prayer? Have you confessed to a trusted friend uh, or mentor? Have you submitted that sin? Or have you submitted to that sin and allowed that sin to take control? In, in other words, does that, de- that sin define who you are? Have you given up? Or, or is it still a struggle? Is it still something you're battling? Uh, I think that's where we kind of kind of wrestle here, because Paul was, like you said, not giving up. He was still fighting. He was still struggling. He still hated it. Uh, but sometimes we get to that point where we fall so far away and we continue living in it that it just we say, "Well, I, you know, I can't do anything about it. It's just who I am." And yeah. It becomes our identity rather than something we're recognizing as wrong and we're fighting
0: against. So this is the sanctification process. Yeah. I mean, it's God changing us by the power of his Holy Spirit so that that is not our identity, so that our identity is Christ. So Paul makes it clear that sin is not just doing the things that he hates, the things that he knows breaks God's heart. It's sin when we know what we are supposed to be doing and we refuse it as well. Both of those are sin. And many of us are just as guilty of this as we are breaking God's commandments.
1: (laughs) us to to know what god is calling us to do what he's telling us to do and to not do it to quench the spirit is just as dangerous as us committing breaking those laws you know if god is calling you to go go share the gospel with someone and we say no i think we're putting ourselves in the the same dangerous situation where we're falling further and further away from that communion with christ
0: yeah so the key to this whole thing and i think it comes from romans chapter 7 right here and paul says it in verse 24 and 25 I know the answer. That answer is Jesus. It's what he did on the cross for me. It's putting my faith in him. It's allowing him to change me from the inside out. That is what has to happen. So my second question was, and I really debated on whether to actually go here or not, but should we actually like name sins? I thought maybe it'd be better if we just had a public confessional. Uh, Okay, well, I'll just name them for you then. Okay, Uh, here's just a few of them and... You know, my initial list, I think it ended up with like 150, so I broke it down to like 15 um, just to kind of help us out. But uh, there's some liars in here. I've lied. There's some gossips in here. I've gossiped. There's some angry people in here. And Jesus said that anger in your mind is murder in your heart, so there's some angry murderers in this room. Um, There's some folks that commit gluttony in here, and I'm just telling you I'm hungry right now uh and i would eat just about anything you put in front of me um and, and that's when it's out of control uh it's coveting it, it's the wrong kind of desire for wanting something that somebody else has uh here's another one we don't think about this one very often it's unforgiveness when we refuse to forgive somebody um let's get a little bit personal and uh we used to just talk about this with men but it's women too pornography if you hang out there if you hang out there that's it's it's sin it's sin it's sin adultery we don't even talk about it anymore. We just divorce and remarry, divorce and remarry, divorce and remarry. We, we don't even deal with things that happen sometimes that lead it. We don't even deal with it. Uh, biblically, most divorces are sin. It doesn't mean there's not forgiveness there, but biblically, divorces sin in most cases. Uh, here's another, greed. Just all I need is just a little bit more. Uh, how about Addictions. Like uh, drugs, alcohol, gambling. We already mentioned pornography, but it's another addiction that happens. How about, uh, man? Seems kind of personal. uh, Abandoning the body, the body of Christ, the church. Uh, The Sabbath is is uh, the Sabbath day is to God, but it's for us, and we abandon it. We put everything else in its place. We need God. We need to set aside time to worship Him with other believers. And yes, I'm talking about the people in this room. And yes, I'm talking about the people that are online right now. It's for all of us. How about idols? You go back to the, the, the Ten Commandments in the first four there. You've already got it now. You shall not put any other idol before God. And we put so many things before our God. I mean, need to say, sometimes it's uh, uh, sports, events. Uh, sometimes it's vacations, everything. We put everything before God. I just think about these things that we do. Using God's name in vain, maybe just dishonoring him with our language. Um, I'm not sure if we've got everybody yet. Uh, How about calling what is good evil and what is evil good? Uh, Maybe just one. I don't know. Did we miss anybody? Did I get all yours? (laughs) I (laughs) I got about 15 in mind. I
1: think think one of the the traps we get into, though, is, is if my sin doesn't have public consequences, then it must not be as bad. And this list is a reminder that all of us struggle all of us uh, are are in this battle and we're in there together you know that just because our sin seems more private doesn't mean it doesn't have severe worldly consequences doesn't mean it doesn't damage our relationship with God doesn't mean it's less offensive to God Uh, we we try to tend we tend to to measure our sin by worldly circumstances or or worldly measuring stick And, and and this is such a reminder that it's it's about our relationship with him and how it damages that over the consequences that we suffer.
0: Gosh, how many times you think, well, man, I, I got by that one? Yeah. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. If nobody else on this earth ever knows, God knew it. Matter of fact, he knew it before it ever became sin in your life. It was already working up from the inside out. Uh, he knew it. So another quick question. Maybe not so quick, but um, what is God's desire and plan for us regarding sin? That seems like such an easy answer, right? What What is God's desire for this? The Apostle Paul, I mean, the Apostle Peter, uh, describes this with perfection. First Peter chapter two, verse twenty-four and twenty-five. He says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Do you see what that says? He 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 put your sins on himself so that you could live for what is right. By his wounds you were healed. Once you were like sheep wandered and who wandered away, but now you are now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. And ironically, 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 20 and 22 says this. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. Just let it sink in for a second. I mean, I'm just telling you, I had to stop when I got to right here. It would be better. If they had never known the way to righteousness, then to know it and then to reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb. A dog returns to to its vomit. And another says, a washed pig returns to the mud. We know that. We know what it feels like when we've gone back. Think about what happens when we sin. What, what it messes up, what it destroys, the peace it takes away. Um, it's the very reason that Satan lives. It's, it's his purpose for his life to steal, to kill, and destroy. The consequences of, of choosing uh, habitual sin usually look like this. And, and you've experienced this because I've experienced this so many times I can't even uh, get there. Uh, you will lose intimacy with God. It doesn't mean that God's gone. It just means that you've broken that relationship. Um, Spiritual growth can like stop. As long as you're living there, it can stop. Uh, Your prayer life's going to feel like everything that you're even, you feel like you're throwing it up and it's just hitting the ceiling. Uh, God's word will become maybe undesirable to you. Like you see it and you don't even want to open it up. You just, oh, another time. Uh, and then it's difficult to understand. Then the word tells us when we resist the Lord long enough, he says this strange word. He said, our hearts will become calloused. That's disturbing, isn't it?
1: Hmm. It's almost like there's a point we get where it's out of our control. But, um, James four, eight, the first part of that says, you know, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's that's a promise that we have, that as we work towards drawing near to him, he would draw near to us. But the problem is, it's not really possible if we're walking in sin. If we're continuing in that sin, our closeness, our communion with God is directly impacted um, by sin, and it always will be.
0: So how do we get past this, or how do we help others um, who are who are walking in sin from a biblical point of view. There are passages there that that we found.
1: 1 John 3 says in verse 4, everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister?
0: Hmm. Mm. So if you follow on in John from there, in first uh, John chapter five and verse eighteen, just two chapters down, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. That it's habitual sin. For God's son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. That, that's when you're in that good place, with, good place with Jesus. It's when you're refusing sin at those prom, that, that moment. So it says, practice sin. Kind of interesting there, and, and for those of you who may know a little bit of Greek, this is interesting. Uh, it's the present active participle in Greek, which simply means it's habitual. It means it goes on and on and on. So it's not the occasional slip-up. It's a lifestyle. It's part of who you become. The, the implication here is, uh, are they believers? If this is the way you are and you refuse to change, again, he's not saying they never sin, they don't ever sin. But he's saying that it's not where they live. That's who they have to be. And if we dig deeper into 518, it doesn't mean that we'll never slip into acts of sin. It just means it's not our permanent home. So,
1: we've we've been talking about this a lot in our man church groups, the idea of remaining in Christ. And and the Bible teaches that if we remain in Christ, what does that look like? That means if you put in that work, if you you make the effort to stay close to him, uh, then he will work through you to produce fruit and give you victory over sin. Um, But it does require that we make the effort. It does require that we spend time with him and submit ourselves to him, our desires to him, our, our futures to him, our careers to him, our families to him, everything submitted to him. Not just once, but over and over again, almost you know, every moment, every day. Uh, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And I think that's, that's the key here is we, we stay close to him and we stay far from sin. We stay close to sin, we stay far from him.
0: And you have to go back to first John one, nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that ought to be a daily thing that happens in our lives. So some people take these verses that we just read there and they interpret them to mean that somehow, uh, we can have this sinless perfection prior to going to be with Jesus. I'm just telling you, it's simply not true. Uh, matter of fact, before First John 1.9 is 1 John eight says, if we claim to have sin, if we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. So it's a fact. We've got sin in our lives. We, that, that's the proof we have to have Jesus. Uh, but we're not going to get perfect this side of heaven. Last question is more of how we deal with this. How do we eradicate habitual sin from our lives? How do we get rid of this stuff? How do, how do we get it so this is not who we are every day? And I ran into, and I've read a lot of stuff through the years uh, uh, by John Piper, and I thought this statement said this so well because I think he, I'm not sure if I wrote this, but I've certainly lived this. Um, we keep falling into the same sin when we fail to believe that holiness really will make us happier than giving in again. Many other factors may influence us, but at the root of habitual sin is a battle not for self-control, but for happiness. What we believe and want deep in our hearts really matters. It's what we're going after. It's what we long for. It's what we won't quit on. So how do we, how do we take this step back into the right direction? And the first thing is exactly the same thing where we had to start off last week. It's praying. It's praying. It's taken, it, it's taken it to Jesus. Uh, the wages of sin is death. So we have to dig in and pray about uh, our consistent, persistent, perpetual sin that keeps on biting us. And we have to give it up to Him. We have to tell Him this. So we pray about it. And the next one that I see is that we've got to stop making excuses. And we do. I have so many times in my life, just one excuse after another, one lie after another to hide what I've done. Drew's there's a cool passage on this, 1 Corinthians 10.
1: Verse 12 says, If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And, when, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out
0: so that you So do you see who the help is there? It's not you. It's him. So seek him first. And a a fourth one down or a third one down there, get help. Many of our sins uh, become physical and psychological addictions. Many of them do. And yes, Jesus is our ultimate healer, and I know that. But sometimes we need, like, medical help. Uh, specifically thinking drug, alcohol abuse, uh, could be even sexual addictions. And we need like medical or psychological help in order to, to uh, figure out, man, where's this coming from and how am I going to get past this? And then, of course, completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. So our sin can often be connected uh, to the people that we're most connected with. Uh, Again, from Scripture, bad company corrupts good morals. So who we hang around with really does matter. Uh, It it changes, the changes uh, may need to happen in our lives on who that we hang out with. And uh, one more here, uh, if if you let it, this thing called accountability, which is one of the reasons I'm loving the man church thing because there is a built-in accountability in there that you're looking at four or five guys every single week across from a table. And you're asking hard questions uh, that are that and you've got to come back and you've got to answer those things in front of those men every single week. And you're just getting real with them. And I'm just telling you, it's life changing uh, for me. James chapter five and verse 16 says, if uh, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And then Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2.
1: Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ.
0: But we need each other for this. It's not just, hey, you, hey, you, hey, you. It's, hey, me, I need help with this. Uh, Just a couple things left to finish this. Reprioritize your schedule. Uh, Plan time to serve the Lord rather than to serve the sin that you struggle with. This is a big deal.
1: Uh, It kind of goes back to getting help, too. But I, I did a study once about breaking free from addiction and habitual sin and When it comes to addiction we literally have to retrain our brain. Um, We have to retrain our brain to produce dopamine in different positive ways. It is literally uh, the way your brain works. Um, So that's going to require effort. It's going to require health. It's going to require honest self-reflection and a whole lot of planning. Uh, It really is. The advice that was given in the study is that you need to plan for your worst when you're at your best. So when you're, you're at your best, think about those worst moments. Think about the, the actions, the people, the places, um, the, the fun things even, the, the, the good things that would lead you into that sin and plan ahead for that. In other words, don't trust your flesh. To say, oh, I can, I can go here and I'll be okay. Or I can go there. or I'll just do this little bit. But to plan ahead and to think through those things. When you're right with Christ, when you're in a good place,
0: Man, that's so good. Um, Replace the the evil time with serving Jesus time. Uh, And it's it's great. Uh, It it helps so much. Uh, Just another thing or two here, and we can let you go live life and do this by the power of the Spirit. Do life with a group of people walking the same path it goes back to being a part of the body it goes back to being a part of life groups it goes back to being a part of of discipleship groups if it boils down to this doing life with other people that are also following jesus and seeking to follow him at the same time
1: i don't think we can overemphasize this i really don't um, we were created to be a community to grow together to sharpen one another um, so if you're not actively studying and growing with with other believers I implore you. I beg you to reach out to us to find that group, to find that 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 family that you can be honest with, that you can be real with, that you can ask tough questions, that you can get tough answers. Um, you can text um, groups uh, to our phone number two three three five five zero eight zero, and you can see a list of all the groups, all the options that we have. And if you say, "Well, there's not one that fits me," well, then call me. And let's figure out a way to to make one work or let's create one. But I believe it's that important that we're in groups, that we're growing together, uh, that we're being fed and and we're feeding others. We're helping each other in this process.
0: Man, It's a lot to take in. Uh, Just as we uh, kind of a final, if we can put a, a wrap on this. No matter the sacrifice you think you have to make, Jesus is worth it. I don't care what you have to do to get past whatever it is or they are, or if it's like me, those 15 different things that won't let you go. Just a couple of encouraging passages. Uh, James chapter 1, beginning of verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the, receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. They, these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when, it, when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And then one last one. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, one that most of us probably memorized at some point in our life. It's such a great passage. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly The way to worship do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know what God's will is for you which is good and pleasing and perfect you know for all of us in this room it's a relative topic for all of us in this world it's a real thing that really does happen If you've never given your life to Christ, this is that moment. Jesus says, repent. It starts with realizing we have sin in our life that breaks the very heart and commands of God. And so we give our life to him and we trust him by grace through faith in the son of God, the one who died for us. If you've never done that, this is your moment. Secondly, if you've got sin in your life and it's time to say, God, I'm done with this. I don't care what it takes. I want this out of my life. What if you come and you lay that on his altar today? Uh, maybe maybe you're, maybe that's too big for you and you just have to bow right where you are and you just have to get on your knees right there in the seat where you're sitting, whatever it takes. You get right with him in this moment. If you need to talk to me, if you need to talk to Drew, we're here. But first and foremost, this is between you and Jesus. I want you to stand where you are. Please, Father what a personal thing for us to have to deal with I just want to thank you God though that you already know what's going on this is, there's no surprises to you when we confess but God we've got to do it and we've got to allow you by the power of your spirit by you giving us the wisdom to make wise choices and put godly people around us, to dig into your word again, to pray and talk to you again, that you can change us from the inside out. And it's not your power that's lacking. It's our willingness to give up and give in. Help us, Jesus. Even the shame that some of us would feel that, hey, if I go forward and now people are going to think that I'm messed up, Folks, let me just give you freedom in this room. We're all messed up, and we all need Jesus. Father, help us move in our hearts in the holy name of the one and only that can change us, Jesus Christ, amen. If God's speaking to you, you come, you respond to him in this moment.